Previously on Almost Heroes. We picked up with the group hiding in Doc, the uh, second brother's containment room, waiting to spring our trap on him. When he eventually showed up, he was accompanied by a giant golem made of metal and sewn together flesh. Uh, through Clever Ruse, Cosmo and Rangrim were able to trap this uh, flesh golem into one of the empty cages. This prompted Doc to call for backup in the form of a much larger and much more blob-like meat golem. Feeling concerned, Doc unleashed a powerful icy necrotic breath weapon on the party that nearly knocked Rangrim and Udak unconscious. Uh, Cosmo, using his divine powers, was able to hold the new meat golem in place while we dispatched the unprotected Doc. Upon dying, Doc seemed to crumble apart as if his body had been no more than a hollow husk. With Doc dead, the meat golems had frozen in place, but sensing power in the wizard's staff, we decided to destroy it, which resulted in the meat golems falling apart. With things seemingly quiet for the time being, Rangrim decided to cast Sending to call for aid from Udak's companions, Dozer and Scraps, and then we decided to take a short rest before heading back to the entrance to meet said reinforcements. On the way, however, we came across a Null guard who seemed to be trying to wrangle some control out of the workers. The Null was easily dispatched, but when the mind control workers saw we had attacked the Null, they seemed to become enraged and began to move towards us. And that's where we left off. Awesome. Thank you, Dan. And with that, that brings us to episode 26, Price of Power. We're going to pick up of the Almost Heroes standing in the intersection of tunnels within the Ebon Decks mine. Uh, you all just killed the Null Guard uh, while on your way to meet your reinforcements uh, in the form of Dozer and Scraps. Um, but as you killed the Null, uh, the three mind-controlled workers uh, that seem to be running kind of uncontrolled through this, uh, just back and forth through this tunnel, uh, all kind of seem to stop and become in, like just absolutely enraged and just kind of started moving towards you uh, in a very menacing manner, almost very feral, like crouched over uh, and their eyes just fully pitch black. Um, and with that being said, what do you all do? Uh, Glenn, once he sees them become kind of enraged and angry, switches the mask over and converts himself into a knoll. About six feet tall, uh, like one of the dagger knolls we saw earlier, not like a, not one of the, the captain, the giant guy, but just like the, the dagger knoll. Uh, and he kind of moves himself towards the front of the group. And he says uh, to the people getting a little more feral, he says, stop. What are you doing? Stop. And like holds a hand out to the, the miner and boulder fist and attempts to convince them to stop <laughs> getting so aggressive. Um, all right. So yeah, give me a performance check performance i don't think i've ever rolled that and for good reason oh no <laughs> a natural 20 yes Fuck. okay awesome so you put your hand out and these like seemingly just absolutely feral creatures that like are kind of tilting their head and just kind of moving towards you just all freeze and they just kind of like a look of confusion comes over their faces and then they just kind of stand up and then they just kind of begin walking basically I, further down towards the entrance. Um, and this boulder fist guard walks. Yeah, the boulder fist guard seems to walk back into this chamber to your uh, to your left. Uh, that is uh, where the crystalline mushrooms had been. Okay. So I kind of lean over my shoulder to the guys and drop the null voice. Like, guys, we uh, might want to move this one carefully. Uh, hostility seems to be exactly what happened with uh, Rangram before. Just take it slow. We're, we're all friends here, right? 
And then as soon as I said, they go, now hurry the hell up. And I kick Cosmo and like try to like encourage him to start moving fastward, faster towards the, the door. The entrance? Yeah. Um, yeah, so are you moving that direction? Yes. Rain, okay. Is Rangrim still leading us? No, at this point, I would have probably just taken a seat behind. Or actually, if Glynn is as a knoll, like telling us to move forward, that's kind of the deal, right? You're just telling us yeah. to move down the... Yeah. All right, Rangrim's going to go right back, Thaumaturgy, Black Eyeball, and... Uh, yeah, boss, all right. All right. What, do I talk? I don't... And he's just gonna he's gonna follow Cosmo. Okay, so Cosmo is leading the way then, as a down the hallway down <laughs> towards the end. You don't sound so um, confident there, Cosmo. So uh, you hear the uh, just as before you hear the echoing bangs of on what seems like on the front door, um, and uh, which had prompted one like uh, a knoll to like head that direction originally. Um, Cosmo, you you start moving towards this hallway. And all of you hear this. There is a sudden wail that rumbles through the tunnels. It's just like, and it is like a visible, like physical force that you feel. Um, this, the air itself actually seems to like shimmer and almost as it's, if it's like disrupted some sort of like haze or something in the air, but it rumbles like through the ground in the walls and like rocks and like dust kind of start falling from the ceiling. It's like this wail of almost like, just pain that rumbles and rips through all these tunnels, shaking the entire complex. Um, and with that, you see the worker who's standing here, this miner, seems to like something just like, just wakes it from its stupor. It literally runs directly farther into the tunnel and you see it collide with one of the uh, the poles, like the, the stalactite sticking out of the floor, connected to the ceiling and just knocks itself completely out. Um, and you hear the movements of the other miner as well, running deeper, further down towards the entrance. Well, what we, do you do? we just need to get them to run into all the walls. We'll be fine. Right. So we just run around like mad, and Cosmo just goes running down the hall. <laughs> uh, Cosmo, you get about twenty feet down that hallway when a second, much louder wail just absolutely tears through this thing. And this is like you recognize it now. This is like the sound of agony, like a person yelling out in anguish. And it is like a human voice or like a, a masculine voice that is just like ripping through this entire this entire complex. And with this second one, it is so much stronger though like this, you can feel this rumble just like ripping through this entire complex. Um, and the ceiling in front of you in this complex that is not well constructed, uh, just begins to like you see chunks of pieces of rock begin to fall from the ceiling in this tunnel ahead of you, um, and it seems to be kind of picking up a little bit stronger and coming back towards your way. Um, so basically, further down that passageway towards the entrance, it seems like the uh, the roof is beginning to cave. Uh, guys, we might need to find a new front door. I don't think they normally make two front doors. <laughs> I think that's why it's called the front. Well, you can lead the way then. Mr. Noel, um, you all are you all are in the in a situation right now where the uh, the tunnel you are halfway down is beginning to collapse and picking up speed as it's uh, as these rocks are falling and so like they haven't begun the small ones have kind of are falling over your head right now but this uh, entire tunnel does not seem to be uh, able to maintain itself much longer. Well, I guess it's uh back where we came from and. I start moving my way back kind of towards the, the middle thoroughfare. 
Right. And Cosmo turn around and just start sprinting the other direction. Uh, Cosmo and Rangrim, as your uh, can you roll me dexterity saving throws? Yes. Yep. Rangrim's amazing at those. <laughs> plus zero, I believe. Yep. So that's a seven. Well, you get my plus, you get my plus four. You're near me. Oh, that's true. So eleven. Ha ha. <laughs> Take that, DM. <laughs> <laughs> dexterity saving throw. Yeah. That's uh, a twelve. Uh, what was that total, Rangrim? That would be 11, sir. 11. Okay, so um, you only take two damage, but basically you're, you're kind of pelted at the, as these uh, these larger and larger stones are falling from the ceiling, and as you dive out of the way as this tunnel almost completely collapses, uh, you uh, you basically t- do take a couple pings from, like, rocks falling from the ceiling, but you're able to dive out of the way. Um, but as you're running, as you're diving out of the way, you just see this miner who has knocked himself out in his lane looking at the ceiling, just like a big rock just goes... It completely falls on top of him, and then the rest of the tunnel continues to collapse and fall apart. Um, and basically, a big plume of dust shoots out into this uh, main thoroughfare that you are standing in. Um, which rocks have, like, it seems like the complete tunnel has been destabilized. Places against the wall that there were already kind of like rocks that had collected from just like chunks of the wall sliding down because this place has been not really well uh, designed. Uh, it seems like it was kind of haphazardly done by people that don't understand how to mine very strongly. Um, it seems like this place is, is like, you're, there are cracks in the ceiling, there are stalactites that have fallen over. Um, it doesn't seem like this place is very, like another one of these bursts could take this entire place down is what you kind of looking at, it, especially from Rangrim and Cosmo understanding uh, how like, mining underground and tunnels. Uh, it seems like this place has been very much uh, destabilized. Um, can you all roll me an Arcana check? Yep. <laughs> Another nat 20. <laughs> okay, let's go. The banished, the banished dice came back literally Don't out of nowhere. Worry. Don't right. worry, that first that first combat, he's going to roll two nat ones. To even <laughs> yeah, right. Probably. First. Yeah, he's getting it's them out the of the odds. Uh, for what it's worth, it's a 23. But, yeah, nice. I also got an 18. <laughs> Nice. I got a 14. Damn. Really good rolls. Um, yeah. So, uh, Glenn, I'll, I'll give you, I'll, um, I'll give you yours first just cause you rolled an at 20. Um, you like before coming into this place, uh, you were informed that there was a illusion spell that had been cast on the entrance that had given you the depiction that there was something else going on than what actually had was visible within this place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that showing you that it had been some sort of just normal mind and the normal goings on was happening. Um, when both of these uh, rumbles came through, it kind of reverberated off the walls and, and shimmered the, the air around you in a way that gives you the feeling that maybe this also is there's something going on that is similar to that, has an illusion kind of feel to that. Um, what do you mean? Sorry, when you say this, you mean like the, the caves around me or? Yes. So like the entire air around you shimmered as almost like a heat haze. Uh, everything around you, the walls, everything, uh, when, I, when, this, when this whole thing happened. Um, mm-hmm. Almost as if like a power disturbed it uh, for a very short period of time. Like it was that strong of whatever ripped through this, this passageway. Um, Rangrim, you, you get most of that as well. Uh, you know, just, just pulling on the fact that you also encountered this illusion spell before coming in, uh, Cosmo, you're like, man, this, this seems familiar. I something about this seems kind of like something I would remember. I can't really put my finger on it, but something. And he just, he just shrugs it off as if he's been in mines and tunnels all of his life. Uh, Rangrim 
looking around, I mean, I, I feel like you probably sense that too, but it, it looks like a lot of, a lot of what we're seeing right now isn't quite what's actually there. Can you maybe shed some light on that? Do you, do you see anything in particular that might be out of place? Maybe a, a, a terribly placed wall or just shoddy, oh. <laughs> shoddy craftsmanship. I mean, if you look around, we, we could fall victim to one of those cave-ins at any moment. Oh, give me, give me a minute here and um, just make sure no more of them uh, nasties and whatnot come down these hallways and Rangrim takes his shield down and puts it in front of him and I'm going to cast Detect Magic as a ritual as to not burn a spell slot. Awesome. So that will take me five minutes. While he does that, Glenn will move to... Sorry, he would position himself. Uh, How about... <laughs> down this way kind of hiding behind this pillar but okay. um keeping an eye down the way that poe's at still and poe is still like being a, a sound beacon down here he wouldn't be just in the middle he'd be like up against a wall um yeah so rangrim you cast a tech magic and you i believe it kind of like does like a pulse that tells you everything that's magical in the area i believe right Yep, and then if I sense magic in that way, I can see a faint aura around things affected by it, and it can penetrate barriers, just not like, you know, very, very deep stone and metal, etc., etc. What's the range on it? Uh, 30 feet. Uh, this place lights up like a complete, like, it literally looks like a, uh, every single thing around this room is lit up. Uh, it, it is almost like there is a, uh, some sort of, layer covering every single like it wraps around everything but it just like lights up everything is magic uh, covering every single uh facet of this room uh, almost as like uh it's if it's been reskinned in this like bright light now that you've cast this detect magic and you get the feeling uh i mean i believe you can tell the class of the magic yep it, i do know what school magic it is uh yeah you get very big illusion vibes from this and also a uh, a strong level of necromancy mixed in with that mm-hmm uh, as an illusion caster, specifically an illusion caster, would I, with that higher Arcana check, kind of be able to see through it, pierce through it, or can I just see the shimmer? Um, so, understanding illusions, you also understand the nature of many illusion spells, which is when you are able to determine that they are illusions, they basically cease to affect you. Um, so that, if you have come to the conclusion that these there is an illusion spell that you're looking at, um, then... Uh, you would be able to potentially see past it. Is that is that what Glenn is doing? Uh, Rangrim, that was a real nice ritual there. What you what you learn? Um, this whole this whole place is fuck all magic, everything. This, that, and he's like picking up rocks, throwing it at the walls. He's like that's probably not not a wall. And he throws a rock at Cosmo. He's like Cosmo's Cosmo though. Uh, yeah. Okay. Perfect. And then now Glenn can see through all of it. So yes, as uh, as you all basically come to the conclusion that a illusion has been placed on this, this has been placed on this entire room, uh, your vision shifts in a way that is uh, kind of subtle but also extremely disturbing. The just rough cut stone walls of this place turn into this like dark, and they are. It looks like the remnants of this very decrepit temple. This temple that is like pitch black and there are these just runes and symbols carved all over the wall uh symbology of torog and other of the evil 
evil creatures of the uh, the dark, underdark, just these evil gods uh, who no longer walk this earth, as far as you know, but uh, still leave their mark. And inscribed on top of a lot of those places, haphazardly and just around uh, all over, you see carved in blood or written in blood very familiar symbols, one that Cosmo himself uh, drew onto a wall of his own house back in Tintown. You see the symbol of a hand upside down in red with an eye in the center. Uh, It's not on every wall and it's not in the same places, but it is written uh, around you at least three to four times in different sizes. Uh, And you are surrounded by these symbols in a uh, basically a decrepit and forlorn temple uh, to the crawling king and uh, god of torturing and slavery, slavers, uh, Torok. And what do you uh, do? Walk up to one of the hands uh, and I start to scrape away the symbol. Does it like have any effect on the illusion? Does it like, does it seem like uh, it's a place of casting? Uh, like a, so like as you're- A rune of casting? Uh, so as you're scraping it away, uh, it, it doesn't seem to affect anything of what you're seeing, uh, but it, it just seems like you're scraping away dried blood that's almost brown at this point. Um, Rangram, you have a pretty uh, high passive perception, but can you roll me a uh, perception check? I, I think you would be the one to notice can. this. Uh, that would be a 17, which also happens to be my passive. So uh, you notice that the the knoll that you all killed uh that's at your feet um right, laying yeah. on his laying on his back uh kind of weapons strewn uh side to side uh you notice that the bare chest that is exposed uh in the center of it kind of embedded into it is the same hand symbol uh that you basically have seen on a couple monsters that came out of the underdark back in Tintown. oh geez um uh boys uh, this doesn't, and as Rangrim looks around, Glenn scraping the dried blood sigil off the wall. Rangrim grips his hand and falls to the ground, and then uses thaumaturgy to mimic Regalia's voice behind Glenn. <laughs> what does she uh, say? Uh, she says, hey, big boy. Uh, Glenn immediately draws his double blade scimitar and swings behind him as hard as he can. Which I think there's a, a stalactite behind him, so swing for a pillar. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. I'll, I'll tell you what the uh, pillar AC is. Uh, it's going to hit. <laughs> 13 plus 9, so 22 to hit. Um, yeah, so you, uh, you, you swing and you hit this pillar, and uh, you are very lucky that your weapon is now magical because you, uh, you basically kind of uh, slam it into this uh, stone pillar, taking a, a, like a little chunk out of it. Uh, but it does not do damage to your double-bladed scimitar. Yeah, she's here. I can feel it, man. Rangrim is just laughing hysterically. <laughs> you should have seen your face. I'm just kidding. Or am I? And makes his eye black again. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We probably should um, not stay here very much longer, though. Well, I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one with a sense of humor. Uh, Rangrim, since you seem to be in such high spirits, why don't you pick where we go next? I'm not in high spirits. I diffuse uncomfortable situations with humor. It's how I cope. Wow, that was that was really self-aware. I know, Dang. I'm having odd moments nice. of clarity. It's the stress. Well, uh, Cosmo is our fearless leader. Where are we head? Well, uh, 
I feel like uh, we had good luck down this way where Doc came from. Uh, there was a big monster in the water, and uh, we never saw it. And well, then do we know that there's a monster in the water? You think it's That's fake? That's true. You want to find out if it's fake? We could just go get one of those crazy guys and throw them in it. <laughs> Brangram's just going to drag the null corpse over to the water. Well, I mean, nobody, nobody's going to miss it. Nobody's going to miss this one. And he's just going to be like, why idiot? And just kind of throw it. Like, he's probably dragging it and goes to, like, toss it. And it just probably, like, slumps. Like, maybe just the null's head in the water as Brangram's just standing there, maybe poking it with, like, Warhammer, like it's a stick, like do, do, make it do something. Um, so you you poke this, you you toss this knoll uh, body into the water, and it kind of like I, I probably I, I think Rangram's pretty strong. You're able to get it out there a good five five six feet at least uh, with a good toss, and it kind of splashes into the water, and it kind of sits there and, and floats for uh, a minute, and then you see like from further down to the right, uh, you see this kind of wave run the opposite way up the stream and it kind of it just kind of goes underneath this knoll and disappears for a second and then you see the water rise up and engulf the knoll and kind of hold it aloft for a second and then it very violently tears it down to the point where you can hear the knoll's back snap as it's torn down underneath the water and completely disappears and you can just see the splash and ripples kind of rippling what what did we see or we just saw the water do that just the water did that Mm. well um yeah, it's nothing in there. It's just more water. Yeah, it's just water, Cosmo. It's not a monster. Everyone's seen rivers and caves do that before. If and you've been around as long as like... I have, you're just going to see so much anger. <laughs> it's crazy. But, um, well, I just... What, did we just flip a coin then? I think yep. that's the move. Right. That Cosmo takes out a coin. I don't know. Well, wait a minute. You got a coin there, Glenn. Flip it. I do. I pull out the coin that's been talking to me, and Ooh, nice. I hold it in my hand just to see if it's going to burn for a minute to, to get hot. Uh, it does not. Uh, it's a cold one, boys, and I flip it into the air. It's cold fish. Sweet. Uh, who coin is... lands in my hand, and I look, and it goes, honestly, I don't think we ever established what was what, so how about we just keep going the way we already went? <laughs> that seems fair. That water looks like it sucks. Well, at least... For that guy, it did. Right. Do we want to keep up the illusion? Because I'm still a full-size knoll. Or do we want to go back to our stealthy ways and see if we can't sneak our way through? Whoever's yelling out there seems quite upset, and I don't know if they want to necessarily see anybody. So maybe being quiet about this is the way to go. I like it. Uh, you are a knoll. Uh, Rangrim has the black eye thing, and I'll just remain a fake prisoner. Awesome. Right. That sounds good to me. I can do this thing, and his eyes just going black, not black, black, not black. That's weird. It's 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 disconcerting. It, well, I'd rather I'd rather you wink at me. And he just looks at Cosmo and does that, but in like a winking pattern. <laughs> God, winks black eye, winks wide eye. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. Like uh, the lights are going on and off in his head. Yeah. Well, guys, then uh, <clears throat> get moving, prisoners, and just kicks Cosmo in the butt again. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well then, um, on we go. Awesome. So, uh, traveling down this hallway, uh, it is. I mean, it's Before the same hallway. Before we start walking, DM Poe is going to fly sixty feet in front of us the whole time. He's going to stealthily move 
60 feet ahead of us the whole time. Okay. And I assume you're looking through Poe's eyes. I uh, don't have to poke and communicate back to me if there's like danger. Like okay. we have a telepathic cool. connection. Okay. So I won't, um, yeah, I won't describe, can you only communicate with him within 60 feet? No, I think it's 150 feet or something like that, but um, honestly, just counting 20 tiles and <laughs> making sure we're on the same path as that was a little tough. Okay, yes, that's fine. Um, so traveling down this hallway, it's the hallway that you've been down before. Uh, I mean, not that it's uh, any of your all's favorite place to be in the world, but it's familiar enough, except for the fact that now it is almost like the walls are like, it's as if they were, like, you are getting like absolute... Uh, dirty venue vibes from like it the walls are just like almost just black like the walls are black and they have this like symbology of torog carved into them all over the place um and then overlaid onto them is this like uh this old brown blood that has made this symbol of the uh the eye hand that you've seen in the past the red hand um and uh so yeah as you're going down the hallway it's it's a similar uh experience to before uh but it is a little bit different now and and the black the painted black nature of the ceiling is a little bit uh it's a little bit disturbed by the fact that there are stones that have fallen from the ceiling and giant cracks that are rent in it now um also as you're going deeper down this way uh it is like there's almost like a heat coming out of these cracks that you uh you kind of come back to the realization that you are underneath a volcano um, there is like a heat coming through these things, not like steam, but there is definitely like this place is heating up now that this, uh, these cracks have uh, let a little bit more of that air from above in, it seems like. Is it, so is it because there's more cracks as we go in, or is it like, it literally seems like it's all shifting and. Well, as you're going deeper, as you're going deeper. Uh, there's just more seems, cracks. Yeah. So as you're okay. going deeper also, it is, it was always getting hotter as you got deeper down into this, uh, almost more humid and more uh, just like just stagnant hot air but now that these cracks have opened up it seems like the ambient temperature in this place has gotten hotter that's really cool that's terrifying that's really cool uh, <laughs> uh cool 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 uh, so uh, poe i mean okay so how do you want to do this because i can't see through poe's eyes but poe can communicate if there's danger would yeah, i be I able know. to say comfortably this is a safe like poe would say like hey go ahead and come forward like this is yes. like a, a safe spot yeah, for sure. So I, I say that uh, Poe can communicate back to you that it seems like there is no one up ahead. Uh, it seems like this chamber in between uh, that he's just flown over is relatively uh, it's pretty bad shape, it seems like, um, and uh, that there is kind of a bisection of pathways ahead going through different directions. All right. Well, uh, well I guess I'll lead the way, shall I? Yeah, please, Cosmo. There's going to be right. uh, two, two routes up ahead of you. We're, right. we're, we're in the clear for now. All right, so Cosmo wakes, ma makes his way up, and as he comes to this intersection, um, he's going to cast his divine sense um, okay. to detect uh, good and evil, uh, as well as sense anything affected by like hollowed spell, and I know the location of fiends undead within 60 feet. Okay, uh, within 60 feet. Okay, so... Um... You get, you don't get a sense of any creatures within 60 feet of you that are, uh, except for like, there is necrotic energy that you're kind of feeling back from the uh, containment room uh, where you know that there are still like creatures locked up, basically oh, mind sure. controlled okay. workers that are in those cages. So you get some necrotic energy from that. Some, some like it. evil energy is coming from there. Um, in this chamber, 
uh, ahead of you. You you can like with your with your special dwarven eyes, I can see underground and in the dark. Um, you see this the kind of the outlines of this room in in like shades of gray, which is what uh, you know dark vision is. But you see this like workstation. This almost like there's tables and there's this like laboratory situation going on and uh, like just kind of dark spots of like blood or some sort of other fluid on the ground. Um, but with your sense, you get a, a couple different things in there uh, light up with just like, like evil. Like there is necrotic, like just the dark energies coming from that location. Um, and then you also get feelings of that from straight ahead of you, much smaller, much more uh, concentrated. Uh, but that is, uh, you, that's what you're kind of uh, getting the, the feels of. Yeah. All right. Um, but I don't sense any, like, undead, so uh, I was like... Nope. Yeah, no, okay. I was like, well, this room here looks uh, clear. Let's take a look around then, shall we? And Cosmo walks into... Uh, yeah, so you walk into this room, and you can pretty much immediately... Oh, I realize I need to grab Udak. Um, and uh, also Tarden. Tarden? Tarden. Uh, who is absolutely just kind of, like, whole, like, kind of walking behind Udak, just kind of peeking out, just... Man, I, just, I thought I was gonna get out of here. This is terrible. Um, and uh, Udax kind of bringing up the rear with Tardin behind him. Uh, this room automatically gives you the vibes that you were looking for where Doc did his experiments on people and on beings to uh, modify them for labor or for fun or his own purposes. Uh, but the ancient white dragonborn husk, I guess, that you slayed uh, previously. Um, this is where that work was done. Um, there is just remnants of modifications of like forlorn limbs and different parts strewn about in a way that is like extremely unsettling. But there's one thing that kind of grabs your attention uh, and that is kind of, there seems to be some sort of assembly of parts on the back wall that is like, it's different than the other things you've seen. It, uh, there are like the parts of metal and the pieces that you saw attached to like Willy and like to the meat golem that like kind of enhance and give them that natural armor. This is almost like, it looks like a forge Rangrim. It looks like where some sort of large armor was created, but at the same time, there's almost like a laboratory feel to it. Like this is where artificing and necromancy meet is in this room. Um, and you just get this nasty feeling from this kind of like what looks like it was used to make a mold and it's this big empty there's nothing there now but you just see the outline against this wall think like han solo when he came out of carbonite uh it just leaves like the humanoid form of this seven foot steel form with these like spiked pauldrons and no head that is sitting against the wall and you uh, it's just kind of embedded into it. And it looks like it originally held something that was being created there. Uh, and you also see all of these kind of jars that are holding a couple different brains that are sitting on top of the desk uh, to the right. Um, but that is what you see in this uh, pretty uh, heinous and unsettling room. The brains, the brain jars are on the desk or they're behind the desk, like on shelves? They're they're uh, they're kind of sitting on the desk, uh, and they kind of as you're looking at them, they don't look healthy. Like they look kind of partially decomposed. Some of the water is not fully like uh, like it's like this greenish brackish fluid is not fully like submerging them anymore. Uh, and there is a very rancid smell from this room. Cosmo smells like your mom's cooking in here. 
Nah, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I like hit him on the shoulder. Uh, England walks through to the desk. Um, do I see any any notes, any documentation of the experiments that were being done here? Yes. Assuming yes. Experience. Yes. Uh, yeah. Roll me an investigation check. Mm, this isn't good. Uh, Rengram would also be looking, seeing that there was like a forge-like thing in the room. So I would also be assisting Glenn in investigating for notes and things. Cool. Sweet. Sure. I got twenty-four. Eighteen plus uh, six. Awesome. So we'll start with uh, with Glenn then. Glenn, you're uh, you're looking through this desk and kind of like maybe holding your your hand up to your nose a little bit as you're getting closer to these brains and just like this this absolute rancid smell in this room. Uh, and you're you find this uh, as you're going through the desk. You're finding a lot of just like research paperwork that's going over your head. Like there is it is a mix of like necromancy and like uh, artificing that is like it's it's showing how things. It's very like um, uh, it's just it's a mix of like magic and then also like mechanics that are kind of tied together. And so like some of it makes sense to you, some of it doesn't. The magic kind of goes over your head sometimes when it's like a school that you haven't studied. Necromancy is probably not something that Glenn has dabbled in very much. Um, but the uh, understanding the way that like artificing and like gears work because you have dabbled in that by helping your friend Pops by making his little, you know, doodads and whatnot. Um, you do understand that there is this paperwork and basically there's these like one of the largest, most, uh, kind of advanced things you find is this detailed way of how to create this like iron golem. And the whole point of the iron golem is like, as you're looking at it is to, it's made in such an intricate way. But the thing that strikes you is it isn't, there's no way, there's no like sense of powering it. There's no like power supply in this thing. And they're also in every drawing that you're seeing, it doesn't have a head. It's headless in every single drawing. Um, But it's this, dark steel uh and just like monstrous uh just full suit of armor that is like just completely headless and that's kind of from your uh from your studies of what's going on here you can just see that you know some sort of iron golem was being created uh to what purpose you don't know and it doesn't seem to be powered by any sort of normal like uh, Warforged means or anything like that. There's there, whatever was whatever the intention of this thing uh, is lost to you. Uh, from kind of just reading through the notes and you know tinkering and building things in the past, can I, I find any notes that like kind of point out like a gotcha or like a weak point or like a you know maybe something that the the designer would have wanted to go back and fix but maybe didn't have time because of you know due dates and deadlines and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. So. A little bit further into the book, it seems that the um, you notice that the writing becomes like very, very hard to read, feverish, but also like more and more illegible. Um, and there's almost like this spattering of like fluid uh, of like this dark fluid that's on the pages itself. And you see that it almost seems like they were working on a secondary uh Item. And this item was a way of preserving something that was organic, smaller, similar to the uh, the jars that are on the desk, uh, and figuring out a way of magically and mechanically preserving an organic life form that was uh, that was basically not able to sustain itself in a mortal way. Um, and as like the discovery of this seems to have been enough for them to kind of like 
the from that point on that's kind of the end of this this notebook um at that point it becomes like these arcane scribbles that you no longer can understand uh but that is like the last kind of uh information that you glean from it okay uh glenn would take all of that like he would like like physically take all the documentation yeah. around like artificing and building things and imbuing a life force into like any any of the documentation from this like mad from doc he would just be pocketing and trying to take with him um so i want to get to rangrim doing his investigation but first sure. um you uh you hear udak uh from behind you glenn just say what the hell do you think you're doing with that hey man a lot of uh being able to accomplish or being able to crush your enemies understanding how they work this is purely information finding you know me i wouldn't do anything like this what they did to you to other people uh roll me a persuasion check with advantage because i liberated him yes you get advantage sweet natural 15 i don't think i have anything in persuasion 16 total you rolled a natural one so yes um <laughs> i mean i'm he, not lying to him <laughs> he just kind of like he seems to just kind of like he, he looks at you and he looks like directly into your eyes and just go and just kind of just nods his head and just kind of uh doesn't say anything else but just kind of nods his head and looks away um look maybe in here there's some way to maybe not bring your arms back but i can at least maybe build you new arms build you something that's usable there's there's knowledge here that you can't just get rid of knowledge it's it's wisdom that you know what to do with it and hopefully you see me somewhat wise he uh he continues like nodding his head and then you see him just kind of like just kind of like start shaking with anger and he goes over to the, the kind of work table uh not the, the the one that has the brains on it and he just kicks it over and just like kicks it against the wall with his full like work strength and anger and just seems to like from that point just kind of walks back out of the room but he just like kicks his thing the brains shatter uh and just like the table kind of cracks against the wall um and then he just he just kind of huffs out of the room before um, sorry, before we go to Rangrim, do do I see anything in the room that matches the final object that Doc was trying to make? Like, does it does it seem like the brains were like prototype versions of this, or do I see like the version that he was shooting for, like aiming for? Um, I'll say room? that you, I'll say that like around where the brains were on the desk, you saw some uh, kind of mechanics and uh, things of that sort that were similar to some of the drawings you saw in there. And some of the brain uh, prototypes were similar to the, the drawings you saw in there, uh, but you don't see like a uh, perfect final version uh, or anything like that. Um, but yeah, uh, Rangrim, uh, going over to the wall where you see this kind of like casing, this like uh, indentation of this monstrous armored form. Uh, there is a full forge over there, uh, much larger than what you would have expected someone like Doc, uh, frail form like Doc to be able to uh, handle. And you don't know whether or not he was utilizing maybe the golems to be able to uh, do things like that and to actually do the forging. But there is a full forge over there that has uh, been used to create multitudes uh, of items, whether it was the iron cages, whether it was uh, something of that sort. But um, you can see that... Uh, there is scrap metal around uh, of this like black steel and these like riveted studs uh, that are kind of around in that area. Did you have anything in particular that you were looking for? Well, just any more information on the means to this forging? Like, yeah, more particularly, is there any sort of like 
unique metals or is there anything that stands out about the forge itself you know if there is somehow like if there's some sort of like magic imbued to whatever is being created off of this yeah actually that's a good um that's a good question uh, there are uh, about four bars rangram that are the size of bricks that are stacked up next to this forge and when you uh, just knowing understanding metal metallurgy in general um there's like this kind of like opalescent sheen mixed in with the black metal. Uh, and you get this feeling like just getting near it, that this, this has some sort of residual magical energy in it. Um, and when you are kind of looking at it, you, you were the one that created the attachments, the new iron or steel attachments for Udax arms. Um, and when you originally did a magic check, a detect magic, I believe in the, uh, Ebon Liberation Forces camp, uh, you detected a slight amount of magical energy on the caps that were attached to, uh, to Udax hands originally that were created by Doc in this lab. You get that same feeling here. There is a uh, just residual natural magical energy within this dark metal. Um, and as you kind of pick them up, uh, Udak kind of standing over in the corner goes, that's what we used to mine out of here. Not those mushrooms. That damn metal. Well, um, if it was so valuable to these um, dicks, I mean, I'm just going to take all four bars and throw it in his sack, and he's just going to look and chuckle to himself, realizing that I still have three doorknobs. <laughs> and he's just going to put that in there with the, uh, you know, his little metal stash, which is mostly doorknobs, and now this doorknobs. cool metal. I- I like dark steel. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with dark steel. I really like that name. I like that too. Um, but awesome. we'll find a we'll find a place to put in Residoom. <laughs> Residoom. Um, awesome. This is like this unha- unnatural mixture of like forging and artificing and necromancy in this place. Uh, that is. Just like an unholy trilogy, trio there of those three things. Lovely. Lovely. So yeah, I would definitely take any of the, the remaining dark steel that I could find. And um, and after looking, conversing with Udek, tell the other guys that, you know, I, I think this is what Ray was using to make all the other guys bits. You know, how uh, Udek's like a Swiss army knife now with his hands and then, with the, and then knives sometimes and I think he said he had a shovel once on his on his hand or something. What is what is Swiss? It's a place in an underdog. Oh, never been there. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, so yeah, it's a uh, Swiss land. I've never, writing, I've never heard writing of their, that down right yeah. now. Yeah. Never yeah. heard of their army. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, I hate to run they, into it if it's all a bunch of blade arms and shovels. Uh, no, no. It, it's, a, it's a bunch of neutral deep gnomes, and they make neutral hot chocolate. But right, yes, I've that's... I've I have seen some of their tools in my morning days. Yeah, they, my know, great tools, really really good stuff. Cannon, but, that's cannon now. That's hundred percent cannon. But, <laughs> there's no army like the Swiss Army. Are you are you telling me there's a group of underground dwarves who make fine no, tools have, and give hot chocolate? No, they, oh, they weren't dwarves. They weren't dwarves. Deep gnomes, come they, on, they're they, not dwarves. They're you're right. You're right. There's no such right. thing as a yeah. There's no such thing as a nice dwarf. You're right. You're right. My bad. My bad. My bad. Well, I think we might have found our place to hole up and, and get some rest. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty beat. Uh, we might be able to barricade ourselves with these, these doors and cages, or these tables and cages, and hole up for the night. What do you think? Well, we can 
certainly for the day. I don't even know what time it is. We need to go in shifts for sure. This is um, yeah. Why not? And Rangram's just gonna like tip a bookcase over or like the closest thing to the door to try and block that hallway. So I mean, the, the hallway's pretty big. Um, I will say that where you're currently at is going to be hard to. There's not a lot of items in this room. Most of the things are either attached to the wall, and the one table has been destroyed. There's like one, basically one table left, and it's not going to be enough to be able to uh, block this doorway off, at least in this chamber. Well, I see, I see ten foot tables and a twenty foot gap according to the squares. <laughs> and I see cages, and I see sh- so, shenanigans. Rangrim pushes this table up into the empty hallway, and then it just kind of falls out into the hallway and just kind of smashes to the ground. Well, <laughs> Almost hitting Tardin. Hey, man, watch out! Oh, I didn't see you there. Um, Steven? Where did we find him again? And then just going to walk into the room. Well, yeah. we could, uh... well if uh, these tables don't seem to fit this uh, hallway, we could... Uh venture down a tad bit more and see what we find, or we could try and uh, hunker down here. Remember in the map that we got from Gerd, I, I think this was Doc's workshop, and considering what we just saw of Doc, I don't think he's going to be coming back. I think what? we find a good place of any to, to hunker down, but like, well, like Rangrim said, we got to go in shifts. Well, I know that there's at least no undead creatures another 60 feet down, if you wanted to have a look. Or we could just hunker down and see what happens. I'm just... I think, yeah, I don't think we press our luck, and I think we we sit here. What do you think, Rangrim? Well, we can at least try, and at least we know our backs are against the wall, and anything that's going to kill us is coming that way from that the door that's there to open in. We will be fighting out of a choke point. Yeah, we'll be fine. We'll be able to funnel them all into one spot if it is mass, mass groups. Tardin, how many people have you killed in your life? Killed? Mur- murdered. Taken a life. Is that something that you count in more than a single digit? I mean, well, yeah, I mean, Cosmo's, it, like, his number just for smushing heads is like... Three. Mate, it's three. Three. It's three. That's a big number. That's just that's just head smashes. Pretty sure you that's watch, the highest Rangram's ever counted. As, as if they are a cartoon, you watch the color drain from Tardin, uh, and they just kind of, like, look completely pale. Uh, and their pants look a little bit wet. Well, uh, you think that's gross. There's one time we fought this guy on a bridge, and I choked him so much that his neck broke, and he was just flopping around all, all weird like. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe Tardin's a fast runner, and he can uh, get away, because otherwise it's going to be battle of the bulge or we're we're, we're gonna get but, some sleep so but, right while you off is just out there showing off your hands i'm gonna go over here and uh set up the sack and have a nap it, it just seemed a little less bloody over here <laughs> there's less, less guts on the floor fair uh yeah i'm i'm happy to take first watch i know i don't have to sleep as long as you guys just need a little bit of time to get some shut eye but i also do that with my eyes open so who really knows i'm uh Happy to take first first watch. Well, that sounds fair to me, and then we can both watch you while you're um Do you sleep? You kind of just sit there. It's a lot of like meditation and picturing sleeping. And by the time I actually fall asleep, I'm already done. So like what's the point, you know? Like I've already gotten gotten the benefit from it. That sounds like a lot of work. It just sounds like no fun at all. It's it's pretty great. Rangrim's wrapping himself up in that gross, like, cloak that he's still wearing that was just, like, the top of a tent, putting it over his head and 
hunkering down behind this table in the back here. Garden, uh, you and I are going to take first watch. I need you to uh, keep an eye out with me. You seem perceptive and terrified at all times, so I imagine you're going to be a good source of <laughs> a good source of finding out what's happening. Uh, I don't think send... I could sleep even if I tried, to be honest. Oh, perfect. You're just like me. And I'm going to send Poe just a little bit down the hallway to keep an eye down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wait, we'll so go. I'm you in send... the wall. Somewhere in between those two. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he. I mean, we got we. He has no clip on, so he can go right into the wall. Yeah. Um, so he goes a little bit further down the wall, or down the hallway, uh, down the wall and hallway, the wallway. Um, he wallway. goes a little bit further down, and um, you see that there is some sort of. It's been like, is it's something that has been structured there. Like it is a wall made out of metal that is uh, been kind of resurrected in this hallway, blocking it off, and there is a small steel door uh, that is that is closing it off. Is what mm. you're seeing at the end of this hallway. Um, as like the guys are kind of drifting off to sleep, be like, "Well, I'm glad we didn't go farther down the hallway because there's a door right there." But good night. <laughs> and Glenn's gonna position himself. Glenn's gonna position himself like here and hide. Sorry. Um, yeah, Glenn's going to position himself over here, actually, and hide and keep an eye on the opening and this way. Okay. And Poe's going to watch down this hallway. Um, but while I'm kind of keeping guard, um, Glenn would look to Tardin and say, Tardin, I don't necessarily need you going out there because, again, you seem to scream a lot, but just kind of hunker down. And if you see me start to move swiftly with any type of purpose, might be a good idea to quietly wake up the guys he takes refuge behind this rock outcropping here uh being a halfling is already very small uh so just kind of like throws his his hood over his head and just kind of sits back behind me goes yeah i'll be here good good. silence 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 i'll be here and i'm gonna roll for stealth because i don't want to die wow that's really high uh natural 17 i think i have a plus 11 so 28 uh yeah you are the wall yeah you and poe you and poe are no clip into the wall we are darkness you are the darkness uh and we begin our one in the darkness (laughs) like a it's like a southern bane (laughs) yeah Yeah, begin our watch yeah um sweet yeah just roll me a perception check i'm so scared do I have advantage because Poe's also perceiving things? Uh, sure. Cool. It's probably good. That's cocked. <laughs> That's really good. Uh, 18 total. Got a 2, and then with Poe, I got a 12. You don't see anything come down this hallway. Um, you hear just like ambient rumblings. Uh, you don't know whether it's just this place kind of shifting and settling now that there it's been kind of un like destabilized and from time to time you swear you hear just like a wail just like uh like a like a just kind of like a distant sound of like agony uh that accompanies these these rumbles um but aside from that and the uh foreboding feeling that leaves in you uh you basically go these six hours uh unmolested i walk over to Cosmo and kind of wake him up, shake him awake, be like, hey, uh, it's time for me to 
hunker down. It's 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 your guys' watch. Uh, Poe's still going to be there for you. Right. He'll, he'll keep an eye on the hallway, but it's your guys' turn. And I'm just kind of trade spots with Cosmo. Rangrim would take to the head of the uh, cave opening, kind of on this left-hand corner, keeping his eyes more down to the direction where Poe is. Okay. Um, yeah, so you're gonna move. You're gonna move down this way a little bit more towards Poe, or you're just gonna keep an eye out that way. Cool. Uh, yeah. Oh, and more importantly, I can click that long rest button. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's, I feels better now. Back to being superheroes again. Um. Yeah. So, uh, if there's anything you want to do during your four hours while uh, Glenn takes his uh, short siesta, um, otherwise you guys can just roll your perception checks. One for your one for each of you. Uh, Rangram is going to be while he's like keeping an eye out. Um, I would be inspecting that dark steel that I got a little bit further, as okay. well as I had them kind of ramshackled together. But the first session we had, when we entered the mines. I did stick two of those big necrotic glowy mushroom gems into the manacles. You did with the intention of basically making it like a bolinaire. What's that? The ones that you spin with the two weights on either side to try and like tripping trip, people trip oh, cool. people's up. Yeah. So I'm tinkering with that and inspecting the dark steel while keeping an eye out in that. Tier. Are you okay? I was gonna say I didn't know if you were lighting the forge up that's in this room and actually doing some real forging. No, no, no. I'm just gonna. I'm really gonna be intent on making sure Glenn can actually rest and watching the hallway. And while I'm just like goofing off with this weird thing I'm making. Cool. Uh, yeah. Roll me just a. Uh, just roll me a d20. Just up and down. That's a six. Okay. Uh, you're messing around with these things. You don't make much headway with them. Uh, but if you want to roll me your perception check right now, right now. I think right Cos- now. Cosmo's awake too, right? Right. Now. Yeah, but, for sure. But Cosmo's awake. Right now. Luckily for me, my perception is good. So that is a 15. Okay. Um, Cosmo, what did you roll? I rolled a 14. Okay. Um, I'll say that you all feel the, like the, the distant rumblings um, that you would probably just like being uh, used to the Underdark and Underdark passageways are just like underground passageways. Like definitely like gives you a feeling of foreboding. You don't hear any kind of uh, whales or anything of that sort, but uh, you definitely just kind of, you're like, this is not a good, a chill place to be. Like, I, I do not want to be, as people that are as comfortable underground as you both are, uh, being underground in a place that doesn't seem stable is not chill. Um, as we start to hear rumblings, uh, Cosmo would cast his Divine Sense again to see if there were any undead fiend uh, with like creatures within 60 feet of us. Um, yeah, so you, you don't get, aside from just like, there's no undead creatures within 60 feet of you. I'll I'll tell you that straight up. Uh, you just, you get the same feeling. You're in a very similar spot uh, that you cast it last time. So, and there's very like thick walls between, uh, any, anywhere around you. So I, I, which it can't penetrate. So you don't really get anything else. You just get the same kind of like ambience, evil energies from this very evil room. Perfect. Evil room. Got it. Ambient evil energy in an evil room. <laughs> Sounds great. It's a this, great place. This is a great place to make a snack. And he starts whipping up a little cooking fire, and he's heating up some of his uh, mom's uh, knapsack meals. Pull, one of, pull a couple of the table legs off that uh, table that uh, Udak kicked against the wall and just start making a little fire with it. But it's just a little cooking fire. We just got a little pot. 
I swear you're half hobbit, half dwarf from time to time. Need second breakfast. Uh, but yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah, so I'll say that you're able to get through your four hours, uh, your shorter watch without any problem. Uh, and yeah, you all have a had a long rest. Congratulations. We did it. Wonderful. All right. I feel great. Now that um, we got all this uh, taken care of, uh, Glenn, you look a bit... Uh, uh, bloody back there on the, that, that first go around bud so um he's just gonna put his hand on his shoulder or about as high up as i can reach it's probably like awkwardly on his chest <laughs> and i'm gonna you gonna cast blessing. that oh, okay <laughs> i'm gonna use my blessing of the forge to give his um here it's a like a leather hide armor right it's plus yeah. one. Oh, tight, tight, tight you get a tight, plus tight, one tight. to your ac until my next short long rest that's awesome. Yeah, your armor just kind of like flashes and uh, is imbued with this uh, this energy. Uh, as my eyes are awake and I'm meditating, looking at Cosmo making food, I blink and I go, oh, oh that smells great. Is there enough for all of us? Well, I mean, I didn't think you want some of me, me mom's dwarven stew. It's, you know, but uh, sure. It's only tried to kill me once and I, I take a take a cup of it and I eat it. Um, so you, as you're... I didn't think oh. you liked lizards. Ah, oh, it's grown on me. I spent so much time with you guys. I've eaten more DOS dogs than I like to admit. I, I feel like it's really starting to just be part of the, the, the cuisine that I look for these days. There's but. nothing else that's flavor, you know? Um, you get the, uh, the, uh, well, for one thing, I'm going to need you to do a constitution uh, saving throw if you're going to eat it, but... 16. Okay. Uh, you get the, the spoon into your mouth and kind of close it uh, around it and like get that flavor that uh, you just don't savor uh, for uh, in your mouth. And uh, you kind of look up and you see uh, Shandrell leaning against the wall and goes, I wouldn't do that if I were you. It's kind of like start to like choke it out. It's like, <clears throat> it's, it's a compliment to them. <clears throat> and I just like force it down. I didn't. I, I was watching him make it and the things that went into it. I just, no Valinar should be eating that. Shindra, I, I don't even know what I am anymore. And I just, like, finished the cup. And it was like, don't be ashamed of me. I'm just trying to make friends. <clears throat> it's like choking back. And we can't see Shandra, right? I can't see. You, can, you cannot see her, no. She's standing, like, directly kind of behind Cosmo, leaning against the wall. Yeah. But, and I'm like, I imagine there's, like, a telepathic conversation yeah. that's happening. Like, it's right. it's not, like, me saying this over Cosmo's head. True. Uh, for anyone who's new here, uh, Chandrell is uh, Glenn's patron ancestor who lives in his double-weighted scimitar. Uh, it's my homie. Uh, Chandrell, since you're here, um, uh, we've got quite the, quite the group ahead of us. Seems like we're going to be taking down whatever the hell came out of that, and I just like kind of shoot my thumbs towards the, the mold armor-looking thing. She uh, she walks kind of walks over to it and uh, kind of goes over and runs her spectral hand over the, basically this mold for this uh, iron this like metal figure. This. this seems to be quite a worthy adversary. I uh, believe this could be good training. I wish that I myself could join you. There is quite a lot of evil in this space. Uh, I'm sure you're aware, but there's still more to meets the eye than you all might know. I have a feeling that more forms have been sent to the astral plane from this place than is natural. Well, that's horrendously foreboding coming from you, but I have a feeling that uh, 
we're about to send one or two dozen more. Does this remind you of any of your your trials that you faced? Any of your battles? I mean, you took on the Great Orcs. They were about this size. From the looks of this place, it seems like the ones you'll be sending to the Astral Plane might have already been there before and might have been called back. That That's not good. Okay, I've seen something similar in the past. We just kind of ran by him before. I don't know if we can necessarily kind of like trying to like burn this whole mountain to the ground like we did before. Any any suggestions as to how we might be able to dispatch them a little bit quicker? I don't suppose you can rely on your compliments for this one. Uh, They're pretty good. I can I can hurt and heal somebody all in one sentence. Seems that and she's looking around at your two holy companions and goes. Seems like you're pretty well equipped to handle the undead. Well, all right, I'll uh, I'll relay those those kind words to them, and hopefully we can find a means to taking down whatever the hell came out of that thing. One thing to uh, to take away from this, I guess, if you're looking for a lesson, is you never want to rely on those around you to a fault, where you weaken yourself in doing so. But sometimes there's strength good to know thank you Shandro see you in a little bit and she disappears well you boys feel that warmth in your uh, double weighted scimitar well boys it's uh looks like it's your turn or your time to shine just kind of stands up and pats Cosmo on the shoulder says like thanks for the stew walks over to Rangrim and kind of pats him on the back like, let's go see if we can't find your daughter and starts walking out the hallway what my daughter's here what I'm already confused, and he just follows Glenn. And get to the the hallway, I guess. Um, does the door look any different from when last time I saw it with Poe? Uh, it does not. It's a just black steel wall. Uh, looks, like It has these metal riveted spikes sticking off it and has that same symbology of Torog actually etched into the wall itself. Um, and the door had, just has a massive uh like just it's riveted with spikes all the way around it in like a just like absolutely death metal aesthetic of this place um and uh just in blood directly on the door is again that symbol of the eye in the hand i look back to udak udak it's like familiar to you do you remember this door more importantly is this the only door i remember this door is it is it a front door that leads it's not, a door. Not door. <laughs> it's not the door I've ever been in, but I know that that was Alton's chambers. Oh. But. And not trying to look scared, Co- Glenn takes a step behind Cosmo very slowly. It's like, oh, I see. Just It's back here now. Uh, okay, well, I guess, you know, I'll go knock on it. <laughs> uh, are you walking up to the door? Uh, sure, but I wasn't actually going to knock oh, on it. <laughs> oh my god! I'm not going to stop but, you. I but like, but I, I do start to walk up to the door. Yes. Oh my okay. goodness. Uh, roll me a dexterity saving. Uh, roll yeah, roll me a dexterity saving throw. Oh, Dude, okay. if they have That's my heart rate monitor, like it just spikes so hard when you said that. <laughs> I just walk up to the door and knock on it. Uh, oh, dexterity god. saving throw. It's a seventeen. Uh, you feel the tile. Uh 
that is in front of you that you step onto, you feel it give a little bit. And uh, three of the rivets on the wall, the spiked rivets, shoot out directly at you and go whipping past your shoulder. Uh, and uh, just just kind of narrowly miss Glenn as well as these things just kind of exp- uh, break against the, they don't, well, they actually kind of just like hit the wall and ping off of them uh, across the floor. They were darts? So uh, Spikes, metal spikes that are about this long and about that big around uh, shoots that basically the whole wall in front of you is just covered in metal spikes. Uh, and they shoot off the wall uh, when he stepped on a tile on the floor. But, well, I guess they're not taking guests right now, boys. <laughs> I mean, you did call ahead. That's just like, that's common courtesy. I feel like, a, what are they called? But, Je- Jehovah's Witnesses? I feel like every time they show up, it's just spike walls. But, uh Maybe Cosmo, yeah. you let me go ahead and clear the way for traps. I don't. Morden's witnesses. Yeah, there it is. Morden's <laughs> witnesses. That's canon. I'm writing that one down. Me and Cosmo are doing that from now on. That's canon. Uh, right. I was, I was just here to tell you about Morden. Our Lord and Savior. So as I see like Cosmo step onto a plate, I'm gonna like grab his. We'll like walk up to him. Don't move, Cosmo. And I kind of grabbed like the back of his but, right, yes. armor. You're holding back. Your foot's just hovering uh, above the ground now at this point. You were about to step on a second plate. Yeah, and I just like grab it, pull him back. The uh, long metal darks, darts were a dead giveaway. But, yeah, uh, I wasn't you think we would have noticed those. But, it, you know, it's just, they were over my head. Why don't, we, I don't uh, why don't, I, why don't I take a minute to see if any of these tiles are actually safe to walk on. And from here, actually, no, I'm going to kind of pull Cosmo over in front of me still, but like off to the side, off to the wall. Um, And then with my mage hand, I'm going to reach out and kind of like track the tiles and see if they start to give way, like their pressure plates with my mage hand. And I'm going to do that 10, I think I have 10 feet or maybe 30 feet. Hold on. I can't remember how far it goes. Roll me an investigation. Mage. Yeah, so I would have 30 feet of distance to check the tiles with some H hand. But it's yeah, no f- investigation. Well, this is no fun. I just wanted to play hopscotch up the hallway. Holy shit, my dice are on fire tonight. That is another natural 20. What? That is three natural 20s tonight. You know, that that okay. does mean... This is the dice that I in. banished and just randomly appeared. Right. We're going to get into combat and you're going to roll bricks. It's crazy. I'm not going to be here next week. It's not. It's just... <laughs> Just avoid it. Um, it's like uh, it's like it really wanted to come back to you, and it's apologizing your dice. Yeah, right, right. It's literally trying to work its way back into my good graces. Um, one, two, oh, three, four, five, six. Perfect distance to be able to within thirty feet. Um, you are able to pick a path across this floor uh, that kind of moves in a diagonal uh, diagonal angle, but it basically goes kind of like against the sidewall at a diagonal angle, and then kind of goes back in. So from where Cosmo is at. Uh, it kind of goes diagonally to the to the wall to your left, and then uh, at a diagonal back to the right, and then uh, the doorway to, uh, right in front of it is safe as well. Uh, but during the time that you're figuring that out, you all are kind of ducking down as you're activating these yeah. uh, these yeah, tiles yeah. that are just shooting these things like crazy, just pinging off the wall, and uh, probably activate a good six to seven tiles. Uh, that uh, now there's just like these uh, metal porcupine spines that are kind of scattered around the ground uh, around where this uh, the bend in the tunnel is. Hey, Rangram, those might be worth turning into doorknobs. Oh, that's a very good point, Glenn. And I'm just going to try yanking one loose. 
So I'll say, yeah, I mean, there's just like, they're just laying like pitons almost laying on the ground all over the place of this dark steel. Uh, and I'll say you're able to pick up about 18 of them. 18. Is it dark steel? Is it like the same dark steel or is it like just dark steel? It, it's, it's the same dark steel. Ooh, boy. No hyphen there. It is dark steel. Nice, 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 nice. I'll add that to the collection of the regular pitons I have. Yeah, I would say that uh, as far as weight goes, too, I would just uh, look at how much a piton weighs, and it's probably about that. Okay. Went flying through the wall. Okay. Um, yeah, so this right here, so basically uh, that right there is safe. And so, like, basically a diagonal angle from Cosmo to the left, uh, to the wall, like, I guess to the north right there, exactly, and then diagonal uh, back, and then exactly, and then straight forward is the safe path. Uh, so you all are able to follow that. Uh, the door in front of you, Glenn, is has a very heavy lock on this steel door. And it doesn't seem like there's a single doorknob on it. Well, oh, shit. It's, unfortunately it's, for Rangriff. It's, hold on, it's just a lock? It's just like a, like a keyhole to it? Uh, yes, there is a, uh, what looks like the most complicated lock you've ever seen. Uh, it's, it's like this, uh, something that was designed by an artificer. Hmm. Okay, I would like to first check it for traps of both the mechanical and, since it's an artificer, the arcana type. Is yep. there any bad juju coming off of it? Okay. Do a bad juju check. Bad juju check, go. Oh, there it is. There's the rolls. Uh, that's a six for an arcana check. So I'm guessing I get nothing from it? <laughs> you let you, me, you uh, let me hey, high and dry there. I was waiting for your second roll. Um, I'll say that uh, the si- with a six. Oh, what would the second roll be? For sleight of hand? Uh, sleight of hand. Or detecting traps, I guess, if you're trying to. Oh, okay, so investigation, probably. Yeah, investigation. It's not really that good. Uh, that's great. Uh, dirty 20. Okay. Dirty 20 for mechanical, a six for magical. Okay. Uh, with the six, you get, you feel like this thing is, has some sort of magical uh, affiliation, like, but you don't know whether that's just magically strengthening it or magically, like, there's a trap on the store. You don't really know. From a structural uh, makeup, uh, having studied with pops and, like, understanding how, like, uh, uh, artificers, uh, you know, create small things and very intricate workings. Like this is a very, very, uh, like just extremely complicated lock. Um, and you probably know that the inner workings of this lock probably are encompassing the entire door. They're probably the entire thing is a lock. Uh, that's from cool. What so it's like a, it's almost like a vault door. Yes. That's sick. Um, fuck it. So I'm going to, with my earwig, I'm going to place him on my ear closest to the door and I'm going to place my ear to the door with the earwig heightening all the sounds. I'm going to try to pick this lock and like try to listen for the tumblers and use this like heightened sense of audio that's coming through the earwig. Does that Uh, give me advantage or am I just straight rolling? Roll with advantage. Tight. Uh, uh, Mm -mm. Natural 13 but plus 11 for sleight of hand. So 24. Um, yes. So you are, how, how are you picking this lock? Um, I would be using, so like I'd be pressed up again. <laughs> my hands would be on the, the door and I'd be pressed up against it. But then my mage hand would be floating like right around where the lock is. And the mage hand would be actually doing all the work, but I'm just like listening for it as carefully as possible. Okay. Um, so 
you you're messing around with this lock and your uh your understanding like you're you're getting and you're as you're messing around with it, you're like okay i understand like what this does and i understand what this does and you're starting to like disassemble this lock and its tumblers and you're like it is a very complex thing and you're very lucky that you've studied with pops because like you are able to like kind of teach yourself on the fly this lock that is made in this way that you've never uh like encountered before and Right, um, right as you're unlocking it, like you, you feel this last thing like click into place, and you can feel like you get this like feeling of elation, and then you get a feeling of absolute terror as you see the darkness of this door just become even more pitch black, and it just kind of condenses around Glenn. Uh, Glenn, make me a dexterity saving throw. Dexterity saving throw. You really wanted to roll up that new character, huh? <laughs> yeah really want to play a, a genie sorcerer uh dexterity saving throw oh it's not yes. bad uh 24 24 uh 16 glenn, plus 8 glenn you feel this like just absolute like your life force is being sucked into this darkness as you are able to pull your hand away like you feel like the life force being pulled through your hand like it's almost like this ream life energy being pulled out of you um as you jump back uh onto this space like one space away from the door um and i need you to scoop up just a bit of damage for me as your life energy is being taken away did i unlock the door uh one second kind (laughs) of all that matters um so you take 28 points of damage um, did you and, did you fail that save? No, he know. made it. Oh he made God. the save. Um, and your max HP is lowered by ten. Well, you guys are fighting by yourself. Have fun. Um, and with that, the door, uh, this blackness in the door, seems to like disperse, <clears throat> and the door just goes and opens up, uh, and you are looking into a very dark room. Take a step back to one of the safe tiles. I'm like, boys, you, uh, you're going to have to take the rest of this one. I'm, I'm fucking tapped. And just kind of takes a knee and just waits for them to pass. Hey, you know, getting out of this one, that AZL and Rangrim's going to, when he walks by, and he kind of slaps him on the back of the head. And I'm going to cast Cure Wounds at second level. 2d8 plus 4. There's an 8. Damn. And a six of so 1418 feedback. Nice. I feel great. That actually <laughs> brought me back to new my new full health. <laughs> um, which by the way, that does go away with a long rest, just so you know. I figure as much. Are you all going into the room? Fuck no. Um, yeah, I'm going in bright. Rangrim's gonna right after he taps Glenn on the shoulder, you know, getting out of this one that exit, and he would make his way past Glenn into okay. the spooky death room. But I'll join you into the spooky death room. <laughs> yeah, I want to be careful. There's a lot of death magic in there. But well, you know, I just I'll just bring a light. So <laughs> like that. So you walk into this both of you walk into this room that is very small. Um and it immediately is kind of very different than the rest of these rooms in this place. It is immaculately clean almost like think a demo like a demo room for like a a place or whatever like but it's just covered in dust in a way that you don't think someone's been in here in a very long time Mm. Uh, but it is just a small bedroom uh, with a bookcase and a little desk uh, and just kind of like a just a little uh, like a little wooden walkway area on one side 
Um, and then just, yeah, just a bed and just a very small bedroom. And it, that's kind of what you're looking at. Is it safe in there? I just, I'm not really too sure. This. I'm confused what is happening here. And Rangram starts investigating the room. But, like, I'm tossing it. I'm flipping sheep the mattress over and looking for stuff. He's a little aggravated that this room is, like, so tidy. I know you said it's, like, <laughs> dusty. Yeah. But he's very confused in why there's this, like, tidy little bedroom that just shot death <laughs> out that other door. It's like, there's a very big spooky door for this really common room. And he's just, he's tossing the joint. Um, yeah, so you're, you're kind of just tossing this, uh, this place apart. Um, and, uh, you, you knock, um, you're like throwing open the wardrobe and it's, it's just full of these like old kind of like very, not moth eaten because moths can't really, wouldn't really be down here, but they're just like these really kind of disintegratingly old, uh, clothes. Um, there are robes in here that seem to have symbology of Torog, uh, and, on as you're kind of like throwing like throwing the bed covers off you don't really find anything in the bed but um the you kind of like are shuffling around on the desk and knock the desk over and this uh this black journal kind of goes bouncing across the floor uh and falls kind of open on the ground well that looks like something i'd like to find in a spooky death room and i'm just gonna open it can i read it do i know what language uh, it's in it's in common. I know that Rangram is not uh, the most adept at common. I can read common, just not very well. Okay. I'll have you know. I can read it yeah, if you so... like. No, hold on. Let me try it. All right, you ne could you could try first. Necrom, necromancy. I'm. I don't know. I'm just making up words. Here you go. Right. Okay. So, um, you. You pick up this journal and uh, just from like looking through it, you can tell that it is owned by someone that goes by Alton One-Eye. And Alton One-Eye, you're reading through this journal and it's talking about uh, their humble, uh, basically their humble temple to the god Torog. And it's kind of told in this very unsettling way, which is like, it's talking about these really what you would perceive to be evil things, but in a very different light. It's someone who just like is going about their day-to-day -day life in like a temple or whatever, doing these like very gnarly things. Um, but it is uh, being told in a way like, it's just someone who just, just it's very normal to them. Um, and you're reading through this thing and, and you're getting this like, it's talking about these, uh, him and his brothers in Torah. Uh, and it's going, you're going through this like log of time and you start getting to the point and you're looking at the date, which is approaching the sundry. And the sundry, as you get to that date, things seem to start happening in a negative way for Alton and his brothers. With the fall of Torog and the death of the gods during the sundering, um, the temple collapsed and, be, and sealed itself with them inside. Um, and as you're reading through this, you're you're going through this, you're 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 going through this much more harrowing journey of these three that were trapped in here, and the what kind of even more gnarly things they did to survive the cannibalism, the everything that encapsulated them being in here, trapped in here for a very long period of time, to the point of which there was almost no other option for them. They. Uh, they were at the point where they were going to pass away from this. There was their their god Torog had forsaken them completely. There was no hope for them at all, um, and that was at that point that 
the brother Doc, utilizing his knowledge of artificing and necromancy, was able to basically keep himself from fully disintegrating and dying, uh, was able to encapsulate his soul within his withering form to maintain a level of sanity and uh, a presence on the mortal plane without fully passing away, uh, losing a bit of himself uh, over time as he was. Uh, and this is this is kind of mimicked by and talked about within the journal from Alton, who laments the loss of what was his brother over the course of this transformation. But as things kind of progressed more and more and the ability for them to escape and the uh, impending doom of Willie and Alton seemed more and more imminent. The husk, the form of Doc uh, began developing these alternative ways to keep his brothers alive as well, ways to maintain the organic natures of them while sacrificing the physical forms, uh, creating new bodies, new ways to maintain them. Um, and this is kind of where it comes to an end, this just like this hopeful nature, this like scribbling, this like absolutely almost mad at this point, frantic and just last hope that Doc would find a way to save him and his brother. And that is where the journal ends. Damn, that's heavy. Well, um, so we got some info about those, uh, uh, the, the brothers there, right? Cosmo, you got all that, right? Right, yep. I just, yep. Uh huh. It's all this. It's all there. All right. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, it seems like a really big door for this little room, and I still can't believe there's nothing else here. And I'm just like smashing the desk. Um, as you say, it sounds like, uh, Alton might be looking for a way out at this point. We might be doing him a favor if we put him out of his misery. We might need actually, might not necessarily need to uh, turn this into a fight. We might be able to make this a mercy killing. I'd, I'd like that. Rangram stops for a moment from smashing the desk and just goes, yeah, Cosmo loves mercy killings, right? Hey, if it's anything like that uh, statue we saw over there, it's only going to be the head that's left, right? Oh no, Cosmo can't hit it. It's what? got no head. How's he going to kill it? Oh. Might be the only thing that's the real. Oh, then Cosmo's the only one that can kill it. He's <laughs> but the best head smasher I've ever met. Um, roll me, uh, Rangram, since you're continuing to destroy this room, roll me an investigation <laughs> check. Uh, Cosmo will now also continue to less destructively investigate this room that he is. That made. would be a 19 for uh, my investigation. <laughs> Sick. That's the um, highest I've rolled this whole campaign for investigation, I'll have you know. I've got an 18, but... Okay, um, I'll give you a little little consolation prize for the uh, the near death of Glenn. Um, you go over to this uh, this kind of chest in the corner, and you, uh, very Zelda-like, or I guess Link-like, kick this thing, uh, and it pops open. Um, and settled onto uh, the moldering remains of a bunch of clothes, there seems to be a scroll. Ooh, well, I got something... It's a thing. And, yeah, and I'm... What's it say? The, the scroll I don't seems know. To, the scroll seems to be almost, as you pick it up, like, there's almost like this mist that is coming off of the scroll. Like, just like this ambient slight amount of mist that's coming off of the rolled parchment. Is it? Is it hot? It's steaming. It's not hot. Nope. It's not. But okay. Would you like to touch it? Yeah. It's quite cool. Let me touch it. Then oh. I'm just gonna... Nope. And put it in my pocket. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he just Cosmo uh, reaches to grab it. Do you want to do a sleight of hand to try to snatch it? Sure. Sleight of hand. Uh. Tw uh, dirty twenty. Oh shit! Uh, <laughs> oh shit! Go for it, Rangram. Oh, that's wicked cocked. Come on, that was, <laughs> that was gonna be in that twenty. Oh no! Ah, oh, it's a nineteen. <laughs> I'll say you both kind of end up with it, and you're kind of holding on to it, and then at that point, you're both kind of like, who's gonna let go of it? Rangram, you can feel your grip slipping a little bit. What do you do, Cosmo? Um, Rangram. I'm staring at Cosmo, and I cast Thaumaturgy, and I use his mother's voice from behind him. <laughs> and she's just like, you know, like when your parents would yell at you when the streetlights would come on from your front porch? Like, full name. I don't know what Cosmo's middle name is, but she's using the middle name like she is pissed he's not home for dinner. Uh, Cosmo, roll again with disadvantage. Roll what? Uh, sleight of hand. Oh, roll a sleight of hand. Or actually, sorry, strength check. Uh, so roll uh, athletics with disadvantage. Athletics with disadvantage. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Because right. uh, at this point, you've grabbed it. You're pulling now at this point. Okay. So it's a 15. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. What was I rolling against again? I'm sorry. Uh, athletics. Not with this. Natural yet. 20. Uh, Cosmo, you're, uh, you hear your mother's voice over your shoulder. And you're like, what the? And you like let your grip slips just enough where Rangram's able to snatch it out and put it in his back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> my funny paper. And I boop him in the forehead with it as I make my way back to the door. Rangram, you you boop uh, you boop your buddy on the forehead and walk to the door, kind of like chuckling to yourself, you know, happy that you've just done this. Uh, and you're looking past <laughs> out through the door and standing in the center of the hallway is probably one of the forms that you would least like to see in this place. It is a form that you've only seen a couple times, but only you yourself have been able to see it. And you see the spectral blue form of that mind flare that you have seen in the past, the same one that gave you the symbol on your hands, uh, standing at the end of this hallway. He well, just, shit. Uh, and he just looks at you and goes, it's amazing what mortals will sacrifice for a bit of power. Isn't that right, Rangrim? And that is where we're going to end the episode tonight. And we're going to have to yeah. do Rangram again. <laughs> I'm going to have to do it by myself again. <laughs> <laughs>